Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and then picking up again at verses 8 through 16. Listen now to the word from the book of Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the world were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, They would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray that you speak through me, and when and where necessary, in spite of me. And Lord, let the meditations on all of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. In the time that I have with you all this morning, I'd like to preach and teach on a sermon entitled, Innumerable Grains of Sand. Innumerable grains of sand. I think innumerable is the biggest word I've ever put on the marquee. Uh, So, uh, innumerable grains of sand. Perhaps it is a detriment to many students that sat in desk in the same classrooms as mine, yet a personal win that in all of my education I was never assigned any of Toni Morrison's work. As someone who doesn't take kindly to assign readings or authority, It's a personal win because I never had to, but I chose to devour a few novels during the summer of, during a summer in college when a Borders reward card opened up a realm of possibilities. I know that sounds like ancient lore, Borders and Blockbuster. (laughs) And when I turned the pages of The Bluest Eye, I felt seen in a way that up until then had been atypical for me and much of the American literary canon. I felt when I read Toni Morrison's, I was Tony Morrison's novels, I was drafted into an ancient and beautiful community. 
Her works span the stories of four centuries of the African-American narrative. Earlier this week, when I heard the news of her death, I was sad. Sad that such a creative would no longer leave us with any more of her creations. Sad or perhaps angry at myself that I had only once or twice after that summer in college picked up any of her books. Toni Morrison was a difficult author, but the ways in which she wrote of pain and resilience were worth the work. I read an article in The New Yorker earlier this week following her death in which many teachers and scholars talked about Toni Morrison's legacy. The article stated, we were reading her even when we weren't reading her because we read everything else with her somewhere in mind. I read that and I thought about how two, how we too are composites. We are composites of the ancestors of our faith. Hebrews 11 is commonly referred to as a roll call of faith. It is a reminder that our faith is linked to the faith of Abraham and Sarah. It is a reminder that the ancestors of the faith shape us and how we engage with the world around us. Not always in an obvious way, but more implicitly, as the legacy of faithful people are innumerable as grains of sand. Hebrews 11 will briefly narrate the stories of 18 ancestors of faith who shaped the present community. The chapter, though, begins by letting us know what we talk about when we talk about faith. Like so many things of God, faith is a beautiful and a beautifully complex paradox. Faith is both a present reality and a promised reward. Faith is both received grace and an act of our own volition. And for faith, hope is both the substance and the goal. Faith is not just a philosophical posture, but a gritty decision that we make every day when we choose to, when we choose the foolishness of the cross. Just this past week alone in the aftermath of two school shootings and the realities of the horrors that made it into our conscience and even those that don't, we realize that each day when we stake claim to a faith in the ways of Christ or just belief in God, we are acting counterculturally in the face of suffering. Faith for today is both what gets us out of bed, and perhaps it is the faith for a better tomorrow that invades our thoughts each night as we sleep and prepare to do life again. Faith, then, is an act of trust that leads us to a life of trust. Faith does not just dwell in the not yet. It is not just concerned with the heavenly realm and things yet to come. Faith is pedestrian and present. It is, much as, it, it is as much now as it is not yet. We not only have faith in a future we cannot see, but a present in which we live, move, and have our being. Faith is concerned with our fidelity today. Faith must be what carries us through the trials and tribulations of today, even as it aspires to a better tomorrow. What the author of Hebrews asks of us when defining faith is almost subversive. The hard truth is faith for the hope of tomorrow may not necessarily do us any good today. 
Faith, then, is not just a leap into the unknown or even a leap into a promised future of God, but an adjusting of weight from one leg to the other in order that we might stand better today. We are faithful because we trust God. It is a laughable choice to make in light of contemporary conventions and current events. This sort of faith is not an aloof paradigm that disregards the dejected, desolate, and demoralized of the day, assuming that the relief, refuge, and reconciliation are to come in the sweet by and by. No, faith acts now and sees the realities of today even as it is buoyed by the promise of new days ahead. Faith is a trust in God, as a choice to trust in God when there is seemingly no proof of God's existence. And friends, faith is a gift from God. God invites us like God invites Abraham and Sarah into the most meaningful relationship of our lives, a covenant with the one who is both creator and sovereign Lord. Faith is both a call from God and a response to God. Remembering Toni Morrison this week has led me several times to being humbled by the magnitude and majesty of her words. Listen to her words about love from her novel Paradise that get to the core of what it means to respond to God. Let me tell you about love, that silly word you believe is about whether you like somebody or whether somebody likes you, whether you can put up with somebody in order to get something or someplace you want or you believe it has to do with how your body responds to another body, like robins or bison, or maybe you believe love is how forces of nature or luck is benign to you, in particular, not maiming or killing you, but if so, doing it for your own good. Love is none of that. There is nothing in nature like it, not in robins or bison or in the banging tails of your hunting dogs and not in the blossoms of suckling foal. Love is divine only, and difficult always. If you think it is easy, you are a fool. If you think it is natural, you are blind. It is a learned application without reason or motive, except that it is God. You do not deserve love regardless of the suffering you have endured. You do not deserve love because somebody did you wrong. You do not deserve love just because you want it. You can only earn, by practice and careful contemplations, the right to express it, and you have to learn how to accept it, which is to say you have to earn God. You have to practice God. You have to think God carefully. And if you are, good, and if you are a good and diligent student, you may secure the right to show love. Love is not a gift. It is a diploma, a diploma conferring certain privileges the privilege of expressing love and the privilege of receiving it. How do you know you have graduated? You don't. What you do know is that you are human and therefore educable and therefore capable of learning how to learn and therefore interesting to God, who is interested only in himself, which is to say he is interested only in love. Do you understand me? God is not interested in you. He is interested in love and the bliss it brings to those who understand and share interest. Like Toni Morrison's description of love as God's, we respond to God's gift of faith with faith.
It is with an understanding of the complex paradox of faith that we are, mind, that we are reminded throughout the 40 verses of Hebrews 11 of those who come before us who have had the courage to live through faith and live out their faith. In this biblical litany, we too are invited into this grand story of God's faith and our faithfulness. Sankofa is a word of Ghanaian origin that, translated, that translates to go back and get it. One of the symbols of Sankofa is a bird with its head turned backwards while its feet face forward carrying a precious egg in its mouth. We bring our past with us, even as we charge ahead. In the roll call of our biblical ancestors, we get to embody the spirit of Sankofa. Our faith is inextricably linked to those who God has called before and whom God will call again. Perhaps it is why we pass on family Bibles with the scribbles of great-grandmothers and grandfathers who we might not have met, and pages with intersecting branches of family trees, reminding us that even as we turn the pages of the Holy Scriptures and find our faith in the stories of pioneers like Abraham and Sarah, that we are tied to a family of faith through both grace and genealogy. Hebrews' summary of the story of Abram and Sarai, later Abraham and Sarah, is a reminder that that for even our early family of faith, there was grief, There was isolation. There was birth and death. There were promises realized and promises not yet realized. There were comings and goings. There were frustrations. This, then, is not just our story of faith, but the very story of faith. We have Abraham and Sarah, and there are others. There are 16 others named in just this chapter, but we know of others. Perhaps there are many in the scriptures, and perhaps we have many saints outside of the scriptures that are ancestors of our own faith, those faithful composites of stories and peoples that brought you here, the collection of the faithful that brought you to wooden pews of your youth, church basements, light-soaked sanctuaries, bowed heads, and bended knees are with you now, whether earthly present or not. Our faith is bound to theirs just as it is bound to Abraham and Sarah. There are many who are faithful. There is Abraham and Sarah, Joshua, Moses, Rahab, Esther, Ruth. And there are others. And there are others I know. Perhaps so many that like God's promise to Abraham and Sarah that they never saw fulfilled, the family of faith is made up of innumerable grains of sand. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.